Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But is as alive as you. The Creation Moments Minute is up next. Do you like what you hear on the Creation Moments Minute broadcast? Then you'll love getting the Creation Moments Biblical Creation Devotionals in your email Monday through Friday. Each weekday, you'll learn something new about God's amazing creation. You'll also hear about the dirty little secrets that evolutionists don't want you to know. To start your free subscription, go to creationmoments.com and enter your email address at the bottom right of the page. Again, that's creationmoments.com. On today's Creation Moments Minute, we take a look at a creature that was thought to be extinct but is as alive as you. Living fossils are creatures believed to be extinct and known only through the fossil record. The most famous living fossil is the coelacanth. It is a fish, and textbooks claim it has been extinct for 70 million years, according to the evolutionary timetable. But now we know that schools of them live in the Indian Ocean. To make the claim that a creature is extinct is really only an opinion until the entire Earth has been searched and no living specimens found. Opinions based upon fossils are the foundation for the millions of years essential for the doctrine of evolution. As scripture says, the foolishness of God who made all these creatures is greater than the wisdom of man. For CreationMomentsMinute.com, I'm Darren Marler. The number two internet radio program according to TalkStreamLive.com. This is the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show. Welcome to the fantastic, fantastic edition of the world famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program. Here today on AMFM247.com and also many affiliates across the country and around the world. Also, iHeartRadio today. We have got two great commentators with us today. We've got Donald Mazzella from SB Digest and, of course, our good friend Mr. Dan Perkins from TheHill.com, also best-selling author. And um, today, gentlemen, we have a heck of a lot of things to cover and only 60 minutes to do it in. However, I do want to thank our good friends. They are going to allow us to be commercial-free today here on our big broadcast, AMFM247.com. If you're interested in getting on iHeartRadio, or you're interested in being involved in uh, television, production, anything of that nature, check out AMFM247.com. They've got a lot of affiliates. The best in talk and the best in music is 24-7 at AMFM247.com. We've got some uh, some great terrestrial stations that are carrying us today. We're going to run those down here real quick. Tampa, Florida at 16.30 a.m. And, uh, of course... FM signal out there in Tampa is, of course, 92.1. Our good friends at 87.9 in Macon, Georgia. Boulder, Colorado today at 100.7, 107.3 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 101.5 in Long Beach, California. 104.1 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Lancaster, Pennsylvania carrying us today on AM FM stations 1640 and 102.1 FM, respectively. And Las Vegas, Nevada, that's right, 1520 AM and 107.1 plus 50 plus stations in the Jiggy Jaguar radio network today. And um, we've got a lot of topics to cover. First of all, we usually throw it to Dan first, but I want to throw it to Don. Don, what do you have for us today, my friend? Well, actually, we agreed. Uh, I don't mind uh, following Dan because he always sets up things so beautifully. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Okay. Well, well, but, but thanks. Next week, I'll, I'll prepare something, Okay. <laughs> Dan from the dot com. What yes, do you have sir. for us today? Uh, I have. Just, I want to give you a comment. Uh, I I I got both of the books the author referred to in your guest last week. Yes, and that was a that today. was a tremendous Wednesday program. I'm I'm glad you guys I'm glad you guys picked up the books. Tell us a little bit about what you thought of the books, Dan. Well, it just came today by by. Um, uh, 
federal federal truck because <laughs> this book, the first book, the one he's talking about, is almost 800 pages. Wow. Now, my, my longest book was 510. That was volume two. But here's the killer. Of the 800 pages, 270 pages are footnotes and references. Yes. Holy smokes. That's a huge, I mean, that's, that's a novel in itself, damn near. So I just got it today. I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading it. So I just, I just wanted to say that you got it too, Don. Uh, yes, and uh, I I'll tell you, it's a reference book. It's not a uh, uh, some of the documents inside of it are unbelievable, and uh, I, I just can't believe what this this man has put together. Um, yeah. I was honored to be I, I on the program. Yeah. I know it was it was a good one. I I, uh, I thought it was a great show. So what is, I want to talk is about it up today, there? Is it archived? Uh, oh yes, yes. We're we're actually we've got it archived on our website, and we've also got it. Uh, I talked to Jason at AMFM twenty four seven, and he's going to stick it on iHeartRadio. I believe it's going to start running next week on iHeartRadio. Because okay, people perfect. should read read that if they really want to understand some of the circle jerk that goes on in Washington. That's the place to do it. Yes, yes, yeah, definitely. I, now, I wouldn't have used that particular phrase. <laughs> what, I would have, what, I would have, what I would have liked to have said, Jim, Yes. that after you read his book, you need some little light reading, so you need to read my trilogy, because <laughs> the two in combination Look at that. scare the bejesus out of you. The master of the Segway strikes again, Dan Perkins. <laughs> So let, let me uh, let me let me talk about what's what got me riled up. Yes, yes. Um, we have this. We have two examples, and then we've had actually there are three. Okay. Three examples today. One, the woman was on the Today Show this morning. Her parents were on uh, Fox News yesterday and today. She had been the leader, the executive director of the NAACP for a northwestern state for a number of years and um she's not black yeah and come to find out when she put on her application she said as as to race she put white black native american now her parents are not black neither one of them and they're not native american and so a lot of people so she's created she alone has now created this new category called transracial. <laughs> yes. A guy from Tennessee, white man, was on the radio, and he said, I can't tell you how much I appreciate what this woman's done because I, I'm white, but I was born black. <laughs> black is, black hey, Glenn is, Beck said yesterday he felt like he was a little Asian sometimes. <laughs> when he said Chinese food, huh? Yes. So, here's, here's Russia's take today. He's creating a new category. Rush, <laughs> as you know, is a particularly thin man. Yes. But he's going to be trans-thin. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, are we going to have are we going to have a new category called left-handed, blue-eyed, Trans, trans, left-handed, blue-eyed, or are we going to have um, uh, whatever you can think of? And and <clears throat> so what's interesting is how the some of the black leaders are responding to this particular situation. Some are outraged that she's been faking it as a black for so many years and was in a leadership position for the NAACP. Um, and others are saying, well... You know, she might be black in her in her soul. She's not saying she's African American. She's saying she's black. And this guy in Tennessee was saying that he was black, <laughs> even though he was born white. And I'm thinking about what the hell is going on in this country? <laughs> now we are transracial. Yes. Is this the result of of uh, Bruce Jenner? Or is it the result of just a further extension of political incorrectness in our country that we have people who can finitely 
you know, should I be a trans Native American? Should I be trans Irish? Should I be trans Jewish? Should I be trans Can- Canadian or wherever you guys are from Kansas? Yes, um, Kansas. Or Buckeyes from the state of Ohio. I mean, if if if, if we can now say that a person has the right to be transracial, whatever race they want to be, happen to be, does she or he have the right to go back to the county government where she was born and have her birth certificate changed from Caucasian to black? And so I'm wondering, I really am, I know it's, I'm, I'm being mostly being facetious, <laughs> but are we so divided as a nation that we have to we have to segregate ourselves in such finite categories and and that now you know you have the 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 transracial by whatever yes. are they now offended because this woman now considers herself to be transracial have they have her her statement and the guy in Tennessee and whoever knows how many other are going to come out of the wall. Yeah, are they diluting their the transgender moniker by being saying I want to be known as a transracial? And what the hell happened? <laughs> so with that, I'll go to the guru, Mr. Don. Don, jump well, in there. Well, you know what, <laughs> what's really interesting about this is the uh, in the in, in the media uh, the back rooms of the media. Is the uh, play is the co- competition between Fox, ABC, and NBC to get uh, the members of the family on their various programs? Yes. And what's a great get uh, in one place? And what's a great get in a, another? And NBC is crowing that they got this woman on the program. But you know, uh, it, if you ask me, this is another creation of the media, and and. Uh, we're reaching the state of, of certainty when we talk about all of this. Bruce, you know, Bruce or whatever, Catelyn uh, Jenner now. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes. uh, you know, all, all, of, all of this really points to the absurdity of the media at this point and where we really are in this country. More, <clears throat> and you know the funny part about it? In 1965, at the height of all of this... Uh, beginnings of the racial. Mort Saul, I've I've been looking high and low for it. If you remember the late comedian Mort Saul, who who also predicted, by the way, that at some point we would have stadiums where we would run down little children, where cars would run down little children. And if you remember, uh, and we've almost reached that point, um, but the, the point I'm trying to make is he predicted all of this. He said we would reach a state of absurdity about this in terms of racial relations. He says, I'm a Jew, and I, you know, I'm always going to be a Jew, no matter what I say, you know, and uh, we are born with a certain racial identity, whether we like yes. it or not, Italian-American, Jewish, whatever you want to say. But And here we are making this big fuss about this woman who obviously has, um, I can't say, uh, problems with people. She has 10 incidents of where she's reported uh, racial discrimination. Uh, she she has uh, applied for jobs under different quotas, etc. And, and we've, we're making a big thing. We've given her 11 minutes of, of time. We've given her parents. And by the way, if you look at that in, uh, interview, these are people in extreme pain. Uh, no one's pointed out how to how extremely painful this whole thing must be for these, for this uh, man and woman. You know, your, your, your child is rejecting everything you are, and, and they're sitting there having to take that. How would you feel if, you're, uh, if your uh, uh, son or daughter said to you, I reject what we are? Isn't that uh, a painful <coughs> But, but, but you're raising. Let me jump in there for just a second because you're raising a perhaps a higher question than you uh, intended to. Probably. Can't, can't the same. <laughs> Probably. So smart. 
because you're so smart. No, because I'm so dumb compared to you. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, see, the difference is I figured it out. You didn't. That's what the difference is. So here's, here's what I heard you say. That when a child, whether they be small or an adult, rejects their heritage and the lineage of their family, it must be painful, and you use the example of the parents of this woman today, how painful it was for them. I say to you, how painful is it for a parent to find out when their child is an adult that they're gay or they're transsexual or they're homosexual? How painful is that? Is that not a rejection of everything? In some cases, may be a rejection of everything those parents believe. And for their child, for <clears throat> um, you know, in the in the in the Hollywood venue, uh, this would be a this would be a series where mom and dad would accept the fact that their daughter was black, even though she was born white, and would have moved on to the next episode of the series. But I think that the issue here is that that's coming to the surface of all these people, whether they're transgender or they're homosexual or gay or whatever they are, there are other people in their lives. And you said as, as so astutely, Don, that it's their parents. <clears throat> are the parents also not victims of whatever that person decides to do? When that guy in Tennessee said to his, on the radio, that I, I was born black and he has white parents, I think that that's devastating for them as parents. Now, take this one step further. Two interviews that I saw in the last week, which were surprising to me, that fits into this storyline. One was with Bill Maher, and the other one was Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld said that the American colleges are so politically correct, they don't know how to laugh, and nobody's going there to entertain anymore. Bill Maher openly said in an interview I saw yesterday that they used they hired an organization to build their audience for his show but they were realized that they were dealing with considerably uh, strong leftward leaning people and so in many cases a lot of the audience was not getting what he was saying in his humor so they fired that organization and got a more blended audience of people who could understand but what does it say about our society when famous comedians are saying we no longer go to the college campuses because they are so politically correct they don't know how to laugh at themselves or at anything? And I hear that, and I understand now I'm listening to what you're talking about, how this, these parents are affected. Um, they're also victims in this story. But it shows in both cases where the political correctness of this country has gotten out of control. And for somebody to decide that they are transracial is the epitome of the extent of which the left is trying to change this nation. And so... The left is now saying, well, okay, some on the left are saying it's okay to be transracial or blue-eyed, blonde, left-handed racial because whatever you are is important. And so we're, we are, in fact, degrading the melting pot of what made us a nation into a, into a, a nation of finer and finer segregated and, and, and defined individual classes. We'll never come together as a nation the way we used to be if we continue to subdivide our population on such crazy ideas. And it has me concerned. So I understand that she thinks she's black, and this guy in Tennessee thinks he's black, and Rush thinks he's thin. But the practical reality is you can't create a class on an application for a job that says, I am transracial. I will bet you that you will see a, uh, uh, a, uh, a movement towards putting some sort of uh, question on, 
on job job applications. Well, and on the Census Bureau, uh, that's where it will start. But uh, I yeah, will but, bet but, you. Just, but just think about this. I'm sorry for interrupting, Don. But just let me no, make a point. You, I interrupt you. But you, but your point okay. is well taken. You're absolutely right. Please continue. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm saying, wait a minute, wait, 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 stop, wait a minute. If we're going to allow, and I'm going to be a little bit absurd here, but I'll go, that's all right, that's my style. If we're going to allow white people to declare themselves as being black but not African-American, and we can allow Irish-Americans to become black, and we begin to dilute the, quote, races, then the, the culture is going to lose because of all the subdivision. I mean, if you're you, the point, what about the parents who were sitting there listening to the story about their daughter and having to respond how she rejected all of their beliefs? What about the black person who struggled all of their life and sees some white redneck out of Tennessee says, well, I feel like I'm black. I mean, what does that say to the black person? Does it degrade the value of his blackness, if, you, if there is such a word, or his, his, his individuality? Because now black is being diluted by white, or it could be diluted by a Mexican, or any, anybody could claim that they feel black, and they want to be considered black because of transracial. Isn't that, in fact, destroying... If it goes on that application, as you're talking about, or in the census, becomes a category, is that not destroying the black community? Well, um, I'd like to address it. Bill Cosby said it greatly at an Essence magazine event. He said, when I was growing up, I was a Negro. When I was a young man, I was a black. Now they tell me I have to be an African-American. He said, uh, uh, he said, what I really am is an American first. I thought mm -hmm. that, you know, to, by the way, to thunderous applause. Um, but uh, but we're talking about words, and it's ironic. Uh, there was an, a, a movie made in the 1950s called Pinky, in which a black uh, woman, a young woman, passed as white. And it was very controversial at the time. Uh, it's a very good movie, by the way, if you want to see it, both commentary on American life then, uh, which is what my book's about, to put in a plug for my book. And, uh, but, but, also the, uh, but it also points to how far we've come in 50 or, or 60 years. Now people want to become black rather than white. Uh, it, it's, it's a commentary on the time, uh, on the times. And... By the way, there's another part to this. Uh, the New York Times uh, quoted uh, some group that said that uh, 3.4 million uh, families reported they had a, a child not, um, not of their race, either through adoption or uh, biracial or whatever. Three and a half million families in America. But what they didn't point out well, for instance, I have friends who had adopted two Korean babies. How many Salvadorians? We are blending family, the families at a, a, a prodigious rate in, in today's world. And, and maybe that's a, a good thing. And maybe over time, um, uh, you know, the, uh, what race you are won't matter as much uh, as it does now. But what's, what to me is really important about all of this is we seem to, race seems to permeate everything we do. And at, at some point, I, I get a little tired of it. I don't know about you, but, you know, it's, uh, uh, everything seems to be at, at this point uh, race. The yeah, everything, you're, you're right. Everything is freaking race anymore. And this is... This is, I, th I think, a, uh, a huge, huge problem. 
Uh, we've, we're, we're at our halfway mark, 30 minutes after the hour. Thanks for joining us uh, here on iHeartRadio, also amfm247.com. Uh, commercial free today because of our friends at amfm247.com. Now, um, let's kind of table this topic because I, I don't want to spend the entire hour talking race. Um, Dan, what, what's, what's the next thing you wanted to cover? Because I know you had some stuff to cover, and I know Don had some stuff he wanted to cover. Well, we we agreed that I that I would kick off with the uh, the, the transracial crap. And, uh, <laughs> it's not crap. It's just okay. Transracial crap. You said you're not politically correct, Jim. So <laughs> no, 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 no. It just it just the so, the the, so the way you said not, transracial crap. I'm like, well, it's not really crap. We we, we had a good discussion, but. Uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> Our conversation was excellent. Our conversation was excellent. Yes. The, the stuff that's going on. In the, the subject matter is crap, anyway, basically. <laughs> and anyway, so what we had decided before you got on the show, yeah, um, is that we, Don wants to talk about this uh, VA problem uh, next. So okay, yeah, Don, way, jump in there. Well, they discovered that uh, well, uh, about a billion dollars worth of VA spending was done on credit cards just below the uh, limit of 25, 25000 at $24,999. And they bought a humongous number of prosthesis for our uh, veterans. And I don't begrudge $1 if it was spent on the prosthesis. But what it appears now, and after uh, much foot-dragging by the VA, that uh, they can't account for where all these prosthesis, uh, uh, this equipment went. And it looks now yeah. as if we have a massive fraud in the VA, which is asking, by the way, for a billion dollars more in the budget to take care of our veterans, and which Congress is loath not to give them. But uh, we're seeing uh, a a lot of information surfacing, and I'm told that there's three or four more coming down the pike, where there's tremendous waste in the Veterans Administration and fraud. Worse than waste, which, uh, again, I don't begrudge because sometimes you have to do it, but there appears to be a a lot of misspending going on, and a lot of people are, uh, can I use a vulgar term, sucking off the hind tit on this one. Yes. Uh, And uh, I think uh, anything that shortchanges our veterans should be uh, ruthlessly uh, uh, rooted out and and, uh, prosecuted. And the interesting thing is there has only been 1,000 prosecutions of malfeasance or misfeasance in the last five years in the Veterans Administration. That is a ridiculously low figure. By the way, that's less than what occurred in the city of New York in that same period. So uh, I think it's a topic we should address, and since Dan is so tied with the Veterans Administration, uh, uh, I, I thought we should bring it up. And I turn it over to Dan. It, it, it is um, having, having worked with seven VA hospitals and clinics throughout the country, um, and to see the enormous generosity of the American people who are taking things to the hospital to be given to the soldiers for free. Soap and shaving cream and razors and toothbrushes and toothpaste, washcloths and slippers and, and you name it, comes into the VA facilities, given to the soldiers free of charge, donated by people like us who want to, in some small way, thank the soldier. And when we have a bureaucracy that steals, there's no uh, harsher word that I can think of, uh, that virtually steals the money for the treatment of the soldiers. Um, It's just unbelievable to me. I was at the, the Vine Street VA facility and talking to the woman who's in charge of volunteers and on one of my recent visits there. 
and we were talking about not about this particular issue, but we were talking about the issue of prostheses that are made, uh, generally speaking, custom fit to the particular soldier. And there was a person in the room who wanted to know if they could donate prostheses or canes or 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 any device, and she said no. The government does not permit the donation of these uh, mechanical devices that aid in the recovery of the soldiers. When I was at Walter Reed uh, a week ago last Friday, one of the places they took us to is the manufacturing facility on base where they make every prosthesis for every soldier. soldier. They make them there. They don't buy them outside. They physically make them in the in the in the uh, facility, and uh, we talked to some of the people about the various things that they have that they go through and how they measure and custom fit. So when I saw this article of, that somebody had gained the system for twenty four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and then were in, I believe, although I, did, I didn't read it, I'm only guessing here is that they're either selling the selling the prosthesis in the back market and they are not custom fit they are they are random fit I guess is what they're called they're either selling them in the black market or they're selling them overseas somewhere but they're taking huge as Don said a billion dollars out of the hands of the soldiers um, and, and I know that it's very disheartening for the soldiers to see this go on because they really aren't sure you know, when 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 I was in Walter Reed, I was this is active duty soldiers. I was talking to some soldiers off the record, and I'm obviously not going to mention their names uh, about what's going on and how they perceive um, America's support for what they do. And, and by and large, they all kind of felt that the America was supporting emotionally was supporting the soldiers. But that this idea that America is war-weary um, doesn't go down well with the soldiers. Um, I happen to be in the part of the hospital that treats all the special forces, Navy SEALs, uh, paratroopers, airborne, special ops. This, is, this, this particular hospital is where we're working. So we're working with the best and, and some of the brightest in the country. And... Um, while they're respectful to the president and re respectful for, for what we're doing and all the other people who come in and volunteer and help and do things for them, um, they are really uh, affected by these stories when they appear because they think about the things that they don't have that they could be having, um, and yet uh, the money hasn't been allocated or isn't been spent properly to, to try and produce the the services or the therapy or the technology uh, that could help uh, the soldiers. And so I get very discouraged about that when I, uh, when I saw that article. And, I, and it just, I, I'm trying to understand the mind of a person who could steal a billion dollars by ordering, ordering prosthesis, replacement legs and arms for soldiers and then selling them and never getting to the soldiers. I just... I just can't get my head around what kind of person would do that. Um, and I still haven't been able to figure out who that person is. You know, is it greed? Is it whatever it is? But a billion dollars, uh, that's a lot of money. No matter what anybody says, a billion dollars is a lot of money. And when I, there's another story about a month ago about a big corruption problem in the Philadelphia system. So I'm, I'm as much hopeful as there was for this new person who came into the VA to replace the previous director. Um, I think a lot of people are beginning to wonder whether uh, he is going to be effective, or for that matter, can anybody be effective in managing this huge 7 million patient hospital system? I don't know. But it, it's, it's very discouraging to me as somebody who actively works with veterans to see veterans in and these people abusing the system for their gaming the system, I think is their proper term for their own game. Very disappointing. Very disappointing.
Well, you know, um, uh, I've been a war correspondent and I've been in the trenches with a lot of these guys. Uh, and it's, it's, it's amazing when we talk about uh, our time. But I'd like to uh, kind of uh, bring a point up. You know, when they, when they say Americans are discouraged by the war, I, I think uh, you'll, you'll find that uh, that is a, a media cr uh, creation. Uh, you know, you've put enough negatives out there. I hate to keep being the one to knock my own media, but I have to. You know, we won the Vietnam War. We lost it on the home front. And we seem to be doing the same thing again right now uh, throughout the world. Uh, you know, if you go and talk to the average American, he understands, he or she understands some of the, th some of the uh, uh, necessary sacrifices we have to uh, we have to make to maintain who and what we are. Um, it, it, it's a sad commentary that we we didn't learn the right lessons from the Vietnam War, and uh, when we look at the world today, uh, and we find things like this, you sit there and wonder where do the American values go? Where were the things that you and I were taught about? Uh, by the way, uh, I just give another example: the co uh, the college entrance exams uh, that the high school students they're, they're bringing out a new version of it. And if you read the stories, uh, read some of the questions that are being uh, put uh, into this questionnaire, you wonder uh, what they what they were thinking and uh, what they're teaching our uh, children in the school system. And, and I urge everybody to, who has children to open the textbook and see what it says vis-a-vis -vis what you remember from your days. But uh, as someone pointed out to me, and rightly so, this has been a gradual process. I, uh, so I, took, I happen to have my American history book in the cellar, and I took it out from high school, <clears throat> and I compared it to a history book of one of the local students here. And you would think we're talking about two different countries. It is a truly an amazing transformation that's going on. And I think it's uh, for the worst. And I know we say that almost, you know, we're saying that almost every program now, Dan, and maybe we're uh, uh, talking uh, to the wall or talking to the wind, but I'm really beginning to worry about this. And whenever I end this program, especially with you, Dan, I have to go home and, uh, and reaffirm my beliefs. It's really getting to the point where we have to do something, and this transracial thing is another absurdity. And then what's happening in the Veterans Administration. But I have to also tell you, and I'm going long, but I'll make it quick. I talked to somebody uh, on the Hill who is, has been uh, involved with the Veterans Administration for 20 years. And she said to me, she said, Don, it has been endemic with the Veterans Administration since 1952. And before that, it was uh, the, the post-war period, there was a period when uh, the, the Veterans Administration was really a great organization. But in the run-up, after the war with all of the uh, veterans and all of the problems that they encountered, somewhere along the line, the Veterans Administration lost its way. And from 1952 onward, uh, it, it has been an endemic problem of corruption. And uh, uh, one only has to see the movie Once, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest to really understand it if people are familiar with that movie. And I'll shut up. Well, <laughs> and I'll shut up. I, I, I <laughs> That's think, great. I, I just think that what you're saying is, 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 is extremely important. Thank well, you. Well, why why don't we do this? We've got uh, we've got a little bit of time here uh, to to couple, cover a couple more topics. Dan, what's next on the list here, my friend? I want to talk about Donald Trump. 
Okay, jump in there. Give give give, give us your thoughts on on, on okay, Trump. Okay. He, he announced um, today. Don doesn't want to talk about Donald Trump. He thinks that Donald <laughs> Trump is a joke. And and what Don's not understanding that if you listen to any part of his announcement today, his marathon speech about why he wants to be president, a vast majority of American people will resonate with what he said. He wants America to be great again. He wants us to be a leader. He wants people who can make decisions. I'll make decisions. I'll go after ISIS. I'll go after Al-Qaeda. He's, he's boastful, and I know that Don thinks he's, he's arrogant, and he thinks he's, he's self-aggrandizing, and he may, may, may very well be. But if you look at all the Republican candidates on the table, probably the only other person who could finance the campaign, the primary campaign, without taking any money from the government and without taking any money from the private sector is Carly. Trump has, has um, amassed, I saw a report today, several hundred million dollars in cash. He's not going to go the traditional route. So I think that while he may be for a man who's worth $10 billion, he may be somewhat gruff, and he may not be as politically correct as a lot of people would like him to be, because I don't think he's a politically correct person. He has, he has aligned himself and selected some of the best talent in business to help him build his empire. And I think that if he became president, he would use that same skill of the selection process of selecting people to work in various positions um, that has got him and made him as successful as he has been in, the United, in, in investment in the United States and around the world. I think because he has investments around the world, he knows a lot of people. And while I, you may not like his style, I think that there is a huge segment of the American population that uh, was probably listening to his speech today and saying, they were saying back to the television screen or the radio, give them hell, go get them, we're on your side. And so I, I think that while he's a totally different style than anybody else on the dais who's running for president on the Republican side, he, his message, at least for some period of time, will resonate with a majority of the American voters. So I'm saying I think he is a legitimate candidate, and the rest of the party needs to be uh, aware of the fact that he could go into these primaries and he could win based on his message. And he, if he runs without the political machine of the uh, Democratic or the Republican leadership, if he were to win, they'd be out of work. And so there's a lot of risk here for a lot of people. Not a lot of risk for Donald. There's a lot of risk for a lot of Republicans. Okay, Dan, you and bring you bring up an sure. excellent point here, and I and I I don't know if Don will support me on this or or tear me a new one for this, but the Donald Trump thing reminds me of when H. Ross Perot ran, and he had his own money. And he didn't need anybody to to help him out. And if it wouldn't have been for the fact that both sides had kind of given him some threats and had said some things that they were going to possibly do to his family, he could have potentially won uh, that election because he had his own cash. Is that what this is with Trump, or is this a completely different deal? Can I answer that one? Yes, jump in there, Don. Sure. Well, first off, um, I, I view uh, Donald Trump as the P.T. Barnum of this age. Yes. Having said that, having said that uh, when the city of New York spent three years tr- uh, fixing the Woolman uh, ice skating rink, and yes. it was still a, a mess, he went in and in three months had that facility up and running. Okay? Three years, three months. Okay, he has the, there's no doubt he has the capability to get things done. And, uh, and I, uh, uh, I read parts of his speech, I didn't see it uh, today, and I agree. His message is, is very, very, uh, very, very uh, on. 
In fact, he, he could come on this program and take either one of our roles, and I uh, wouldn't miss a beat. <laughs> I happen to know personally that uh, he, he agrees with many of the things uh, um, uh, that we've been saying. And, and by the way, his organization is a very much of a, um, uh, an organization that promotes on merit and doesn't care whether you're red, white, blue, or uh, 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 green. If you can get the job done, you got and you, you demonstrate it to uh, Donald Trump and his and his people. You move up in that organization. I know one young man who's at 35, running a, a multi-billion-dollar uh, uh, construction project for the Trumps. He's 35, uh, but uh, um, and, and he's running it, and, and he's in 10 years has moved rapidly in the organization. There are many, many good things to, to Donald Trump. Uh, to get back to Ross Perot, who, by the way, I covered part of his campaign, the, 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 the trouble with Perot was he didn't know when to keep his mouth shut. And the difference with uh, Donald Trump is he does. So uh, does he stand a, a chance if he wants to do it? Yeah. Uh, Dan, you put it right on the button. Too many people would be out of work. Uh, on both in both parties, if Donald Trump got the the nomination, um, there are some. His voice there's some. Go ahead. Some rhetoric today. There's some rhetoric rhetoric today, Don, that suggests that it was H. Ross Perot who elected Bill Clinton. And Absolutely. the question is, a question is, will uh, Donald, who is not going as an independent, uh, at least not at the moment. But if he doesn't feel like the party's going the way he wants it to go, uh, with his own personal money, he could go independent. Creates an opportunity for Hillary. An independent will, will uh, yes, I was about to say, an independent will only help the Democratic Party. It will not help the Republican Party. The Republican now, Party has got, to, has go got to find a way to bring him into the fold make him feel as if he, he was part of the process and obligate him to support whoever the n nominee be. And right. uh, I'm convinced in my own mind that if we elect, uh, if, the if the Republican Party uh, nominates an electable candidate, whether it's Walker, uh, Rubio, somebody like that, and even a Donald Trump, and runs an effective campaign, they will steamroll uh, Hillary, who I again say will not be the candidate. Um, and I'm more convinced about it than ever. And I've been wrong, if, but I keep saying it. Um, what did you think of her, I, her, her, her second launch, her reboot on Saturday? Her reboot. <laughs> and then she tossed off the uh, pool reporter from, from, the, uh, uh, from, from three of her campaign stops yesterday. Right, I don't right. think that did piss off. Oh, everybody. Uh, I mean, there was a watch of Megyn Kelly last night, and all the major networks, newspapers, wrote a letter to the camp, to her campaign, expressing their outrage that they threw off pool reporters. But I want to go back to Saturday. What was she effective on Saturday? I I didn't think the speech was that good. And, I agree. Uh, and more importantly, we'll know. On Thursday, when the when they did an instant poll, um, yet yesterday and to, today, and we'll know on Thursday. I don't think it's going to bump uh, her uh, nomination, uh, her her campaign. I think they were hoping mm -hmm. for a, a big bu uh, bump on it, but the real question is, did, did, did she get it? Well, I'm wondering what what the, what the ramification is going to be when they call her before the, uh, the the House committee how that will impact her uh, her stature in the in the country and will that be the catalyst in which to um, for her to reconsider whether she wants to continue on the campaign now there's a with a story that broke yesterday on bright on um, on Drudge that says that the campaign, has decided that they're not going to release her medical records. What did I tell you a couple of months ago? 
Did I not say they, that they would uh, not do it? They can't release their medical records. They can or cannot? Cannot. Why? I believe that she, I believe, and other people who are a lot smarter and a lot closer to the situation believe that she has some sort of an illness that they don't want disclosed. Just look at, well, I, just I, look at her, her body. Look at what her, her, her body. I mean, the pantsuit cannot. Do I have um, to? <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I mean, listen to her is one thing, but I don't want to. I can't even imagine the other one. Whoa! I don't want to do that anyway. I, but my, I had I had written an op-ed piece months ago, saying that I was concerned that when, if you remember, when she had to be excused from the Benghazi original Benghazi commission because she fell and hit her head, I think that she had some traumatic brain injury there. That. Uh, she didn't fully recover from. And uh, I think they're trying to protect her in every way they possibly can. But I suspect that that uh, if she is doesn't handle herself well before the Benghazi committee, uh, she could be toast. Well, believe her. Uh, they set aside. But that's a question. But, it, but if she's toast, if she, if let's say that you're, 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 you're the, the grand master, Don Mazzella says she's not going to run. <laughs> who's, who's they going to put? Okay, great seer. Who's going to replace her? Well, to use your thing, Pocahontas. Okay, you take Elizabeth Warren. Uh, they're positioning. Uh, they're positioning a draft. What about Uncle Joe? Uh, I don't know if worst to first is 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 gonna <laughs> is gonna uh, he could. I know that there's there's a lot of times. Party really screws up. Everybody that I talk to that will talk off the record that that I think knows what the heck they're talking about says it is the uh, the the next election is for the Republicans to lose. Yes. Not for the dem, uh, not for the Democrats to win. It's, okay, it's, Mike. My, my, I it, know, I know we have to go, but I just want to make one last point. It seems to me that the longer Hillary goes before she says she's not going to run, makes it even more difficult for Pocahontas or anybody else to build a national campaign and a national presence in a very short period of time that would be enough to build the confidence of the American people to elect her as or him as the president. And I think well, me, the only the only possible candidate who has the most exposure, besides, and, and I would say, if you want to talk about exposure between Pocahontas and and Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe has more <laughs> exposure Joe. both internationally <laughs> and domestically than Pocahontas. Uncle Joe, I love that. <laughs> Let me give you um, both of those people that you just mentioned. Have very quiet. Uncle Joe and Pocahontas. To say, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uncle they have Joe. Names, they have names, Don. They they have uh, apparently apparently we have melded professional wrestling with politics. They both have gimmicks. <laughs> All I was going to say they have is names. they are both. They have you, huh? Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, they're, they're Dan. They're both what? You <laughs> said they're both. They both what? Uh, uh, they're both quietly setting up uh, organizations in the various states. Uh, Pocahontas, uh, I love that. I've quoted you on it, Dan, and given you proper quotes for it, and I've drawn more okay. laughs from that. That, uh, right. uh, uh, um, uh, But the real point I'm trying to make is that both of them have very quietly started to do the exploratories and started to build the organizations. There is a strong feeling in a lot of quarters. Uh, you're right. There's a Benghazi hearing came in, coming up. There's a couple of other things coming up. And at one, at some point, she has got to open herself up to questions where she can't um, finagle. Uh, and the, the press is going to have to start going after her, and they will. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, at, at some point she's going to be vulnerable, and then you're going to see them them come out of the woodwork, Uncle Joe, as you say, and Pocahontas, mm-hmm. and a couple of other people that are, mm-hmm. are um, and and look at the crowds. Uh, Bernie Sanders is is uh, really attracting crowds. Uh, mm-hmm. These are spontaneous crowds versus uh, the, the the Clinton campaign has to go out and get people to come. Bernie Sanders right. doesn't have an organization. People are coming out to see him because they genuinely want, want in the Democratic Party, somebody other than Clinton. There's, there's just too much going on, too much baggage there. And mm-hmm. at, at the end... At, at the end, we we may have it, a more open convention in the Democrat. I think they're in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, at the Philadelphia convention that people um, uh, expect now. Uh, the, uh, just think of the media words. The presumptive has now become the potential. Right. Okay? Right. A very subtle yeah. difference in the media. Uh, right. Uh, uh, there, there's out there's real there's real feeling um anyway suffice it to say the, the next couple of months this month uh is going to be interesting the next two weeks are going to be interesting because uh as you keep sa- saying okay. rightly so three right. major so you, court decisions right i was gonna say, you, i i know i sent you guys the op-ed piece on Strike one. Did you see that, Jim? Yes, yes, I did actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, well, maybe we can talk about that next week because I know we're already running over our time. But uh, well, let's let, no, let's let's go. We, we deserve it. Let's go ahead and, and wrap up for today, uh, Don. I, I know that you've recovered from your uh, from your attack. So uh, how, how how do people get Cyber the website attack. and everything? And by the way, I've got to give credit to to the, our organizations. You never hear about their victories. You only hear about their defeats. But anyway, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, SmallBusinessDigestMag.com is back online, back protected. Um, uh, there's a lot uh, in there for small business owners. And can I put in a plug for the National Robotics Education Foundation? Yes, we're, yes. We're having our national meeting, our, the first annual uh, robotics education conference in uh, Washington September 28th and 29th and we're, we're getting an all-star lineup of people who are just anxious because robotics uh, is a, a something that our young people should really study because there's they're right now 150,000 unfilled jobs in robotics and, and by, by uh, this time next year there'll be almost 200,000 uh, jobs. They simply cannot find enough qualified people uh, to service, to create, and and to build robotics. And, and Dan, my site is the-nref.org. Yes. Awesome stuff. Well, uh, Dan, go, go ahead and get your plugs in here, my friend. Dan's got a new website address. And I'm just going to show you how how cutting edge I am now with all my technology. <laughs> the website, the, the new book website address is danperkins.guru. Look at no that. .net, nothing after it. It's just danperkins.guru. Oh, boy. The, uh, oh, boy. Okay, okay. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with nothing. That? No, nothing, nothing. I just, I love it. Uh, and so, but the soldiers website is still the same. Dogs and stories for soldiers. Us. And thanks for letting this commiserate together here. Definitely, definitely. Well, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for being on today, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for being on. Thank Have a you. good day, Bye. everybody. Thanks, guys. Donald Mazella, Dan Perkins, today on our world famous. Cheeky Check Choir Radio Broadcast here on AMFM247.com. Thanks for joining us, and uh, check us out on iHeartRadio. Also, check us out 24-7 at AMFM247.com. We're back after this here 
on amfm247.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.